in your face because life demands hard conversations. Watch on YouTube at I am Tassian and stream on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Wow. What a week it has been. The response to last week's episode, Healing Through Dreams Denied, has been overwhelming in the best way possible. Personally, it brought me so much healing and hearing from others who shared their thoughts with me only solidified its impact. I'm truly grateful for Tamim and Lynette. To be honest, delving into this subject opened up some old wounds of my own. I've experienced sudden trauma more times than I can even count. And each time it becomes increasingly challenging to find myself again after such experiences. Whether we admit it or not, a part of us goes with the person we love each time we face loss. While my first encounter with trauma occurred when I was just 13 years old, the most devastating one was the death of my dear friend Timothy in 2011. It still feels so fresh in my mind as if it happened yesterday. I remember our last phone call filled with his pride in my graduation from the Mecca Howard University and his excitement about us spending more time together as I pursued my graduate studies at UC Berkeley. Little did I know that my return home will mark the beginning of my own journey of self-discovery. It's been a solid 12 years since his passing and although the tears aren't as frequent, Thoughts of him linger in my mind every single day. I can't help but wonder how life would unfold if he were still here, how I yearn for the opportunity to just dial his number and share both joyous and painful moments. Regrets have found their way into my heart, things I wish I could have done differently, solely for the sake of just having the chance to do it again, to see him again, to talk to him again. Over the years, I have consoled countless of my friends' mothers who have lost their sons, their daughters, and I've often pondered if they would change anything if given the chance. However, I've never had the audacity to inquire until now. Lynette and Father Clarence have been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I even have a picture from my eighth grade dinner dance taken in their foyer, and you will not see it. The fact that Lynette was willing to have an open conversation with me in honor of Victor is something I deeply appreciate. I am immensely grateful to both her and Father Clarence. So let me get in your face again with this episode. I was out of order. So like that candle, when I went to Zimbabwe, no, I was in Zimbabwe, but that's when I was in South Africa and we went to um, Robin. Island, yeah. we got those can those candles the lady made, and um, I have two of them. They burn super fast, but I was like, I'm gonna save the other one. And then today, when I knew I was having this conversation with you, I was like, I'm gonna light this candle for Victor Thank because you. I knew Victor was just such this beautiful spirit, a little quirky at times, but he was so sweet. And I just I have a picture, a baby picture of me him and his me. I don't know if it was a birthday party or something but that is the victor I remember and that's the victor that I'll always he remember always and he just always, always just him and it'll always just stay in my mind and so I definitely want to thank you for having this conversation with me because I know I know it's sensitive and so I know it took me a minute to reach out to you because 
having dealt with trauma and grief and sudden grief as it relates to gun violence, I know can be tra traumatizing in itself when the, when the subject comes up. And so I wanted to be sensitive with how I reached out to you. So I definitely, and I didn't want to like invade that personal space because I know you to feel like, oh, I can just ask her. Mm -hmm. um, I always feel. I like know. Family is a, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. Clarence had said, my husband said, um, not that long ago, he's like, do you think people treat us like homicide is a contagious disease? Mm. It's like people just disappeared in our lives. People that we, like family, not like that close circle of friends that you would think would come around more. But we know people have busy lives. Um, there's been family where we've often felt really lonely and isolated. Like, do they not talk to us because, like, they think they can catch it? Their kid's going to get killed or You're something? So, I, you know, I say that to just say that whenever you're dealing with someone who's experienced loss and you feel that inkling to call or to reach out, don't feel like you're invading. I think it's really an invitation for you to reach out, um, especially after the initial services and everything passed. A lot of families, especially angel families, you know, have lost their their, their young ones. They'll they'll describe this loneliness, this isolation. Because people disappear. Because people the disappear. The call stopped. The, the they... call stopped, and but it's interesting that when you talk to the friends, they'll be like, "I didn't want to invade," or "I didn't." I didn't know what to say, and um, I'm so grateful for my friend, my my childhood friend, who lives in D.C., who I can probably say how many times we've seen each other in the last 25 years, who held me for the first three years from D.C., just checking in, just calling, just texting. <clears throat> so grateful for... Um, Nasha May Linda. Nasha May, who I don't know extremely closely or, or well. Um, Victor performed in two of Del mm -hmm. Boyd's plays. Um, but God just impressed upon Nasha May to send me affirmations like every day for two years. She still sends them. Right? And, I, and, <laughs> and receiving, the, it would be so divine, like it would be a topic that I would need just for that day. And that would be my human touch. Mm. So... Um, I know there are many people who, as you're talking about, who have experienced trauma, or they really don't know what to say when someone's lost a child, whether it's a a, 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 a youth or an adult child even, right? Um, I think that it's just important that people remember it's better to just show up and say, hey, and not say anything else than to be MIA, because it leaves people really feeling very lonely, you know? I could imagine, and I know it definitely, I've, I've been on both sides, sides of dealing with it and wondering like, why hasn't somebody called, but also recognizing like, you've been grieving and they probably don't know what to say, but then on the other side of like, being there like, well, you don't, you're scared to call because you don't want to feel like you are intruding. So that is definitely good to hear. Um, it's been four years. The fifth anniversary in March. Wow. It's coming up in March. It's coming March. So. Looking back now, five years, I think the one 
question I always have or wonder, like, do you have anything that you would do different? I wouldn't have sent him to USC. Full stop. And and it's because he told me that moving into academia was going to cost him the opportunity to do his music. And he just wanted to do his music. And I was concerned that he wasn't in a place that was driving him. Like, we weren't that family that knew how to produce a fruit. Like, I'm not driving. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I wanted him to be in, a, in a, where there were resources and... But I think his spirit knew and understood that there were more than there was more than one way to achieve. And where I had fully bought into the indoctrination of your degree is a type of safety net for you, um, I would not have compromised his creativity his creativity time. Hmm. Well. Yeah. What about you? Like when you think about all the time that you had to spend in public service, the time, did you, did any of that ever interfere with your time with Victor? Always, always. I was like, he was like, mom, you gonna run for re-election? I was like, I don't think so. I think I want to see you launch. I want to be available to you. I was like, I began to just weigh the cost of that public life. And I was thinking I need to deal with family. And um, sadly, I was out of order. Tassian, you know, mm. we we come of a of a faith and community tradition that says God, family, community, right? God, family, country, and um, I was an inverted pyramid. Mm. Community was first. God was in the mix somewhere, and then family was wow. my grace. Wow. Y'all understand? Y'all understand? And what I failed to understand is that children can't necessarily hold grace for adults that they don't know. Michelle Obama talks about how being in the White House really gave them greater access to to the president, to her husband, to their father. In part, um, they leveraged having household staff, right? So Mm -hmm. they weren't lost in the dailiness of all the stuff, cleaning, all that madness. And they always had meals together. Mm. So the girls didn't grow up with a busy president, you know. They always had And then they always knew to put the girls' activities in the calendar first. I heard the notion of making sure that you live life. You know what I mean? Like that you're traveling, that you're connecting, that it's not all about the work. Yeah, I'm learning a new model. I would say I had to learn it in my initial, my first job coming out of college was in public service and you get into that grind of you have to just go, 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 go and give, 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 give. And I left there depleted. I had nothing left coming out of there. And I think the greatest transition for me was into the private sector because it taught me Oh, there is a balance because mm-hmm. I think five or six at the time, but I was dragging her to events and, you know, missing out on certain things because I was constantly working, constantly stressed and actually was the tragic um, death of a student named Trayvon. Trayvon was on a panel with me. He, we there. did a gun violence panel. Yeah. Yep. You were on that panel. I was on that panel. And that baby. he... 
I remember it was so stressful because he was scared about where the where we were hosting it. And I had to talk and I was like, no, we're gonna, I'm gonna make sure if I have to take you to the back door, whatever we need to do. Like, if you'll do it, I'll make sure I got you. And he agreed to it. And he came and he did it and it was amazing. And we wanted him to do an internship that summer. And he ended up not being, we couldn't get him. He ended up not being able to do it. And I will never forget that day I got that call that morning. And it crushed me because the one thing I remember we talked on the phone before he did the panel was he told me, he said, I, I never want my mama to get to have to get that call. And to have, know that his mom not only got the call, but when I talked to her and she said, he, looked, he died right in front of the door. Mm -hmm. It broke my heart. I was never the same after that. And I knew then that like, this was not going to be. Like, I remember you talking to me about, I, I've got to change. There is a, a space and time of service. And I really do believe that I now am cultivating and curating for myself what I teach, right? Like we have five primary areas of our life and we need to give attention to each of them. You know, that's our spirit, our our, you know, whatever we believe about who God is or how we worship, we know that human beings are more than what we see, right? That, and I believe that we are spiritual beings, that we've been gifted with an intellect and we live in a physical body. So I got to take care of my spirit. And I, when I take care of my spirit, then it gives me the ability to be fully present from the second area of my life. It's my primary love relationships, right? Those myself and those around me that God has gifted me to be in family and a close connection with. Then I can start thinking about how do I develop, you know, me and my intellect, my mind, my uh, personal development goals. So mind and body, my health, how am I going to deal with this part of me that I see that I can tend to, right? That's not my spirit. And then we've got to deal with the issues of what I call the freedom and flow of time and money. Right, And so many of us lose the harmony or the balance of that. Getting that in a nice um, harmony and the nice rhythm or the flow like the ocean when we know where the tides are coming in so we have a good flow um, of freedom of time and money. And then the fifth one is that area of contribution and give. Right, And then being intentional about what that tithing looks like. How we... How we can contribute to the greater good. Now, I believe that that's the order, right? Um, of a life that's in, in harmony with God's keeping. And I will say that prior to Vic's ascension, that was out of whack. Mm. I was completely out of whack. I was worried about money. I was worried about resources. Worry invites trouble and chaos. It's an inner, it's a, it's a chaotic energy. Right. So as soon as I'm planting the seed of faith, I'm digging it up or I'm poisoning it or I'm not giving it any water because I'm worried about it. Right. So it's parched. Um, but those are the things that I've learned. I don't want to just keep talking. But yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been so enlightening. It also connects to the first episode where we talked a lot about boundaries and how you create those boundaries yeah. and how you move in life in respect to those boundaries and not only how you allow people to show up for you but how you show up for yourself and yeah what you just said for me you just further just 
deposited more into my spirit as I this week have been like, okay, I'm incorporating a new boundary. So now I need to think about it in those five different parts now. So you gave me some more homework to do. So I'm so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.